Hi, Curious City fellow J.P. Swenson here. Now, I don't know about you, but I hate grocery shopping. The crowds, walking a mile to find the miso paste I forgot. The checkout line, and especially these days, the prices. But for some, like Curious City question asker Katie Hansen, it's actually cathartic. I personally love grocery shopping. I often visit multiple grocery stores because I just love it so much. But when Katie shops in Chicago, there's one kind of grocery store she says she misses, the food co-op. A food co-op is owned by members who invest in it, help make decisions about it, and share in the small profits if there are any. Katie was used to seeing co-ops in places like Madison, Wisconsin, and Minneapolis, and was surprised she didn't see them in Chicago. So I just was wondering if it was a matter of laws in the city or demographics that would make Chicago not a great environment for something like that to thrive. These are good questions, especially since Chicago is such a big foodie town with such an active local food movement. And Katie's right. We don't have a lot of food co-op options. But it's not really because of laws or regulations. It's more about how certain social and political movements played out here. After a quick break, Monica Eng answers Katie's questions and dives into the history of co-ops. Then later on, I'll give you an update on some of the co-ops mentioned in Monica's story, which she first reported back in 2018. And there's some pretty exciting news. That's next. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. Stuart Reed is with the Food Co-op Initiative, which helps launch co-ops around the nation. He says here in the United States, the co-op model took off in three main waves. Food co-ops got started during the first wave in the Great Depression, when food and jobs were scarce. Co-ops were one of the solutions for feeding themselves and finding work. There were quite a lot, especially around Minneapolis area, northern Minnesota and Wisconsin. And he notes that up there, there were a lot of Finnish immigrants who had a strong tradition of working cooperatively. So these folks in Minnesota and Wisconsin really glommed on to co-ops, and they wanted to spread the word. They went out and not only delivered food to others, they encouraged them to start their own co-ops. And so up north, those first co-ops beget more co-ops and new businesses just to serve them. Soon, they just became part of the local culture. But in Chicago, not so much. There was one exception, the Hyde Park Co-op. It opened in 1932 and lasted 75 years. It was supported by community organizers and lefty UFC types who got behind its communal values. But the movement stayed pretty localized. Then there was the second wave. The second wave started in the 60s, tied in large part to the radical and progressive movements of the time, and they were largely co-ops that wanted to sell natural organic food. 
and health food like alfalfa sprouts and whole wheat flour. This wave hit Chicago big, but mostly as buying clubs where members bought stuff together and distributed it from homes and church basements. Chicago had more than 200 of these clubs by the early 80s, and a few had storefronts, but they didn't last long. Then there was the third wave that we're in right now. This wave produced the Dill Pickle in Logan Square, which opened in 2009. It's a co-op grocery store whose values are apparent as you walk down the aisles. At the Dill Pickle, we try to prioritize local and organic produce. We have a nice display of all produce coming from one um, local Amish certified organic farmers cooperative. You'll see a lot of the milk that we carry is local. That's Sharon Hoyer, who manages the store. And you might have heard her say local like three times. That's because local food is really important to this wave of co-op members. But as we head downstairs to her office, Hoyer tells me their member owners also value something else, having a say in how the store spends its money. There is less and less transparency in the flow of dollars as businesses become increasingly consolidated. And that's definitely what we see in the grocery industry. I think the Whole Foods buyout by Amazon is probably the most visible example of that. And she says it's these values around local food and greater transparency that are driving this current wave. A wave that's about to get much bigger in Chicago, with several new co-ops in the works right now. No less than a half dozen food co-ops here in Chicago are underway at various stages of development. So there's a, a very large group on the north side, Chicago Market Cooperative. They just signed a lease on a very visible building at the Wilson Stop. And then there are co-ops getting organized in the Austin neighborhood, in Rogers Park, as well as a few out in the suburbs. So we're on a wave of momentum of cooperative activity here in Chicago. But before any of these co-ops can open their doors, they have to sign up hundreds of new member investors. And that means throwing a lot of sign-up parties. I recently went to one of these for the Chicago Market Co-op, which plans to open in Uptown. Dozens of people were streaming into their future storefront in the old Wilson L stop. Folks I talked to there were each looking for different things. What things that are cheaper than other stores, for sure. <laughs> I live in Uptown. I've moved here six years ago. So I feel it's important to do something that's part of the community that's going to improve this whole area. I'm looking for something more, I guess, in line with my values because I don't really believe in capitalism as an economic system. But mostly they were going up to a guy named Anthony at the welcome desk who was filling them in on some pretty basic concepts. So this is going to be a full grocery store. Yes. So this space you're looking at is going to be a co-op grocery store. Today, Chicago Market Co-op has about 1,500 members, but they're pushing for a lot more before they open in 2020. And each member has to slap down a minimum of 250 bucks to join. But not all these fledgling co-op stores are aiming to do the same thing. Some are about solving a problem that's plagued their communities for decades, access to healthier groceries. I head to Austin on the city's west side to learn more. So here in Austin, we are a food desert. We have very little access to healthy food options. This is Vanessa Stokes, co-founder of the Austin Community Food Co-op. They're just getting started. But she says for people here, it's a lot less about getting fancy local kombucha than getting... It's a conventional grocery store that the community helped to build. 
Co-founder Brianna Shields says the project is about folks taking control in a community that's seen a lot of disinvestment. So instead of waiting for Whole Foods to save the day, they're taking action themselves. Our residents will be able to have something that's theirs that they can call their own and truly feel it's not from someone else outside of the community telling us what it is that, that we want and need. Craig Berlowitz of the Chicago Market Co-op thinks this latest wave, in all its forms, could start a chain reaction of co-op activity. And one day, Chicago could end up looking a lot more like Madison, Wisconsin. What we've seen in other cities is co-ops spur more co-ops. So when a co-op like Austin called us and said, can you help us start this co-op? We're happy to help. And that culture of co-ops, I think, starts when one co-op is open and successful, like Dill Pickle, then people can see it happening and say, hey, this works, and this is an alternative to the grocery system we have. As for question asker Katie, she said she had no idea that so many co-ops were getting started in Chicago. That's really exciting. It sounds like in in a lot of diverse neighborhoods, too. One of those neighborhoods isn't far from her home, which makes her excited for a new place to practice her favorite hobby, grocery shopping. That was Monica Ang reporting for Curious City back in 2018. A lot has happened since then. The pandemic, soaring food prices, even a recently announced merger between the two biggest grocery chains in the U.S. All that and more has had an impact on co-ops in Chicago. Just ahead, I'll update you on the latest wave of co-op projects, including some that you heard about in Monica's story. Stick around. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. Since we first reported that story in 2018, that third wave of co-ops has been slowly hitting Chicago. And with that wave, Chicagoans are getting an alternative to traditional grocery chains by supporting local farms, sparking community investment, and being transparent about where their food comes from. I visited the Wild Onion Market Co-op in Rogers Park to learn more about how the co-op scene is growing. So we are um, taking over a former grocery store. So it was a neighborhood store that was really beloved in the community. The store closed. It kind of sat vacant. You know, people peering in the windows like, what's going on? Julian Jason, the board president of Wild Onion Market, took me on a tour of the space. Uh, we have to do a little bit of demolition. We're going to reuse as absolutely much as possible. There's walk-in coolers. There's a, It's really a sustainability. And when I was there, they were tearing out the old freezers, and the walls were being readied for a new coat of paint. But you could still see remnants of the store's old deli counter and produce section. Before what you're seeing today, it was really kind of just like a dead grocery store. There was equipment inside and freezers and coolers, produce cases. 
The project was founded by Mary Meyer, who also joined us for the tour. She wanted a gathering space centered around fresh food and supporting local farmers, something that reminded her of home. I grew up on a farm in Ireland, so I've always valued food directly from the farm, fresh food, because that's what I was raised up with. But in 2020, in the midst of planning for the Wild Onions opening, the pandemic hit. Like other co-ops, they faced challenges. They couldn't hold in-person meetings or fundraising events, but it wasn't all bad. Wild Onion actually saw their membership grow as families looked for more community-minded options where they could have a say in decision-making through co-ownership. Interestingly, during the pandemic, with a lot of the supply chain issues, grocery store shelves were empty, we saw a huge surge in ownership. It was just the excitement for the co-op, you know, hockey stick growth, as they say, uh, because I think folks really realized that they were at the mercy of these corporate chains and that, that, you know, our food supply could be disrupted and it was pretty fragile. With this boost in members and construction well underway, the Wild Onion Market is slated to open this coming spring with an emphasis on bulk foods from local farms. Meanwhile, just a few miles south in Uptown, in the old Wilson Red Line station, another co-op is under construction. It's called the Chicago Market. Right now we're doing some basement remediation work. We've got some waterproofing going on, so we got to tour that. The Chicago Market is restoring the original spot bringing a historic neighborhood gathering space back to life. This is a 100-year-old building. It turns 100 next year. So we've got an old building that was in disrepair and disuse that we're uh, rehabilitating and saving that important piece of architecture for the community. General Manager Dan Arnett showed me around the mostly empty, warehouse-sized building. We spoke near the entrance, where there are rows of poster boards displaying blueprints and renderings depicting a cafe a wellness space, and even a kitchen for cooking classes. It's an ambitious project with a hefty price tag, which started at $7 million and grew as the pandemic wore on. You know, when you start adding in the, the changes in the supply chain, which have been rapid, COVID, worldwide issues, oil issues, costs for everything's gone up, and we got more ambitious. So the cost escalates up to where it's like $11.5 million. Now, this could have been a deal-breaker for other co-ops, but Dan's team was able to secure over $5 million in tax increment financing from the city to support the Chicago market. But where does that leave other projects, like the Austin Community Food Co-op on the west side, where getting financing is hard and healthy food options even harder? Well, currently, they are working to overcome the odds, actively recruiting members and hiring staff. There are additional worries on the horizon, too, with the planned merger of two of the largest grocery chains in the country. Chicago Market's Dan Arnett believes that co-ops will actually help keep the big grocers in check. That's not all bad. I mean, I'm not saying they don't have a right to do whatever they're doing. Um, but, but certainly when any player gets dominance, you're at risk, you know, in terms of service and price. We always know that um, having real choice uh, generally creates better choices. The co-op choice may be coming to Chicago after all, though it's still a big question if all parts of the city will benefit. But stay tuned. It may not be long before one pops up near you. Curious City is supported by the Conant Family Foundation. 
It's produced by Joe Dassault and Jason Mark. Adriana Cardona-Magigad is our reporter. Maggie Civit is the digital and engagement producer. Johanna Zorn edits the show. I'm J.P. Swenson. Thanks for listening. Before we start the show, we here at Curious City want to let you in on a little-known fact about WBEZ. 89% of all our funding comes from community support, including contributions from curious listeners like you. If this program has changed how you see Chicago, please consider supporting this program at wbez.org curious. Thank you.